the Frederick Faith Debate on Frederick's News Radio 930 WFMD. Brought to us by Putman Plumbing and Heating. How can we make you smile? And that's what we aim to do here on the Faith Debate, make you smile. So we'll have a laugh a minute joke contest. Wait a second. Did huh? we ever agree on that? We, I don't know that we have ever agreed that we want to make people smile on this show. We agree to disagree on that. Jonathan Swites is senior <laughs> pastor at Crossroads Valley Chapel and also joined this week. And he's, he's on, along for the ride. He's Consider looking to make you smile, joy. too. Troy Wallace. Director of yeah, don't be confused. There are two Troys. Hey, you know, a couple weeks ago we oh, figured there you go, out, confusing them right now. We figured out that Troy seems to have some kind of a Scotch Irish background to it, or at least that's my theory. So if anybody out there can can either uh, prove that theory correct or, or not correct, I'd like to know because I'm just having fun trying to figure and out. And it's incredibly relevant. What kind of a uh, these Troy Wallace are. is the director of Revive Israel North America and assistant congregational <laughs> leader at El Shaddai Congregation. Uh, you can visit us online at WFMD.com keyword faith. There you'll find a Monday through Friday daily updated blog where basically I'm posting your emails. My blog is your blog, so email me, Troy at WFMD.com. Uh, and what am I reading? This one's, I think, going to be apropos for uh, for our discussion of where okay. it's been going. It's a book by, or actually more of a booklet, I guess, by uh, Ken Sandy and uh, and Gary Friesen. You're familiar with Ken? Yeah. I think it's Sandy, right? Yeah, yeah. It might be Sandy, but I think it's Sandy. I think I pronounced it that um, way. And his little booklet called Biblical Peacemaking. <laughs> so we'll see if we can make a little peace. I love that stuff. There are a bunch of, you know, our uh, the Church of the Brethren people here in Frederick have such a rich history of peacemaking uh, mm. that I feel like I have not yet plumbed the depths of. I'd like to have more people like that on the show just to dig into that. We did that with Paul Mundy a little bit. Yeah, we did. Very good stuff. Who you just heard of moments ago here on WFMD. That's right. Yep. With his Time of Challenge radio program. Every day. Every yeah, week, rather. Every, every Sunday. Yeah. That's right. He's a good lead-in. We just hope to hold on to half of his audience. Did you guys get in that back in the 80s where somebody would say something and you'd be like, every day, every day, you know. Twice it, on Sunday. It's this phrase that we always <laughs> used, every day, yep, every day. Somebody would say, yeah, yeah. I think that was just was, you, Jonathan. Yeah, okay. Been. so I was cool back then. Yeah. Well, what happened? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> kids. It was definitely kids. Uh, kids make you not cool? It does. You know that. <laughs> Well, I know that I'm not cool in my kids' eyes. I know that, anyway. So, uh, talking about being cool, we've been talking about uh, Israel and the end times and the, all that sort of stuff. And I, yes. to be honest, I can't remember exactly where we left off. You might have to help me. Where do we want to go from here? What we're, <laughs> what what we've been we're grappling about? with is, is what is the role? Is there a unique role for role as Israel? Danish? Continuing. A continuing, continuing unique role, role in the present for the, the physical descendants of Jacob, uh, aka Israel, aka Israel, in Christ. Well, even outside of Christ, you know, there's some that even argue outside of Christ that there's a unique role that they still fulfill uh, in the uh, failure to do the things of God. But is there a unique role for them leading up to the end times that that Troy Wallace is arguing that even has to do with uh, with inviting the final return of Christ and inviting, inviting Christ Messiah, to return, yeah. the Messiah of Israel to return uh, and sit on David's throne, uh, and that that will be kind of the the opening up of the fountain that will flow out to all nations of the kingdom of God being established on the earth. Mm. So, okay, so where, where does that leave us up? exactly? Yeah, I, I guess I, I feel like Galatians six is good. It says, "Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule." That cir- circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, even to the Israel of God. 
And even in that context, my sense is that everywhere that Paul uses the term Israel or Jew, he never uses it to refer to Gentiles, to non-Jewish people, but right. always he's using it to make a distinction about changes or things that God is currently doing in Paul's lifetime with the physical descendants of Jacob. And and I feel like that's that's consistently the case that we're a part of the family of Israel, but the family of Israel is not called Israel. The family of Israel is called Yeshua is called Christ. It's all nations. And so Israel would be a limitation. If we're a part of Israel, then it limits us to have to be what they are. You know, you're supposed to be an Irishman, you know, under under Christ. I'm supposed to be a, a Schweitzer yeah, see, you know, I see under the, Christ. And it's funny because how our perspectives on this, you know, bring different meaning to the same words. Totally, I know. Because when I think of, uh, you know, me identifying as Israel, as part of Israel, yeah. I'm not saying there's a limitation. Yeah. That's a huge expansion for me because now I'm in Christ who is Israel. And so when I know there's a concern that, okay, I'm limiting the, the physical, the temporal, the, you know, the actual historical reality or whatever. But I don't think so because for me, the historical reality, the true temporal importance rests in Christ who has temporal reality even now. Okay, I hear that, Christ but the reason still why I feel human like that now, the right. reason I feel like that limits is precisely because the vision of the end times is that men from every language, tribe, and tongue, and so if that group is called Israel, then that means that they've been subsumed underneath this, this, uh, this, uh, title of Israel, whereas that was never God's intention with Abraham. God's intention was that all nations, the 70 nations of Genesis 10, that all those nations would have their own place before God in the final. And that means that Israel, the Hebrews, will have one. They're one of the 70. And so for us to, to say that now they're going to be the name by which all nations are called, no, the name by which all nations are going to be called is Yeshua, is Christ. It's going to be under his lordship that we come back. And, and so then Israel is just part of it. But they happen to be the firstborn, and in being the firstborn, there's certain roles that they play that have an ongoing role. And I feel like Paul in the New Testament, when he uses Israel, when he uses Jew, is referring to the physical. Now, I haven't done a word study like you have, so I'm, I'm at a disadvantage to try to, to argue the point one way or the other sure. on that. Uh, but I will say this. I think that doing merely word studies can be dangerous. I think we need to combine our using a big theological word, hermeneutical approaches, and do more than mere word studies. We need to look at contextual studies and literary studies and, and all sorts of different things. And Because we, we, there are a lot of things that we all, in, all three of us in this room would agree to that we couldn't prove by a word study. I mean, do you think that's fair to say? There are lots of concepts and things we hold to be true that if we try to say, okay, show me a word in the Bible that will prove that. Like, the, like you know, Trinity. You know, we, we, you know, we believe that Jesus... Is God, God, you know, the Holy Son Spirit is God, is the God. Holy Spirit is God, and we put a label it on it like tr- Trinity, true. and that's nowhere to be found in the Bible. Uh, there, are, there are limitations, I, I think. We yeah, but, be that, but that's, the, that's the limitation the opposite way. If there are words in Scripture that clearly are uh, defined in context, then certainly that needs to be a significant part of our hermeneutic. You know, Trinity's not in there, so so fine. Right, but the, we, we agree that there's there's additional. But ideas here's why that are not mere there. word study would fall in this particular concept we've been talking about. I think would fall short because we're talking about promises to Israel. Yeah, but the promises to Israel are also promises to Abraham. Yeah, correct. But Abraham's not an Israelite. So the yeah, promises and, predate the nation of Israel. But, well, those promises to Abraham are really a continuation of promises that were made before that to Noah. 
yes, which were made before that to Adam and Eve. When it comes to the land, particularly, that's reiterated to Isaac and to Jacob, both explicitly and specifically. But it predates them, is my point. Uh, but, but the predating doesn't undo the fact that 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 this yeah, f- this key. figure shows up and says the same thing to Isaac and then says the same thing to Israel to Jacob. No, but I get concerned that the theology ends up focusing on Israel as opposed to foc- the 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 nation of Israel, the people of Israel, as opposed to focusing on Jesus. But yeah, see, but I it feel only like does that because it happens that we're dealing with that particular topic. Right. Right. When my oldest brother, he is the oldest. You know, and uh, when, when he's dealing with his identity, it's pretty all-consuming. When I'm dealing with my identity, it's pretty all-consuming, which is, you know, and so when you get into that particular topic, it ends up being all-consuming only because you're trying to deal with that particular thing. But, uh, you know, but ju- the real reason that I feel like we have to deal with this issue is because that's who Jesus is. If Jesus was Chinese, we'd all be talking about Beijing and the land of China. If Jesus was from America, we'd be talking about Washington, D.C. And the fact that Washington, D.C. is the capital of America doesn't undo the fact that Annapolis is the capital of Maryland. It's just there and a reality. But because we have to talk about the role that Washington, D.C. plays in the land of America, it doesn't somehow undermine the role of, uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. Whatever, I can't think of any capitals right now. So it, it doesn't undo Annapolis. So, so it's the same thing with Israel, but because I live in Annapolis doesn't mean that I'm not somehow represented by Washington, D.C. I am in part because it's the capital of our nation. Now, apply all of this to Israel and the nations. Israel is a centerpiece. It's, it's, in using Jonathan's analogy, it's the firstborn. It has the, the right to identify as the place where God continued to walk out promises associated with land and with ethnic identity. But that doesn't undo everybody else's ethnic identity. In fact, it adds to it. But But everybody that it adds to doesn't make them part of that ethnic identity. But the promises of the land didn't start there. The promises of the land start in Eden. I, I, I don't disagree with you. So, My worldview connects Eden and so Jerusalem together. So you keep together. wanting to say that we need to connect back to everything being represented in Israel, and I say everything needs to go back to being represented in Eden and a restoration of that. And I want you to hear me say again that Eden and Jerusalem are explicitly connected in my worldview. They are. Okay, but even if they weren't, this is the thing. Um, Christ will, will sit on the throne wherever it is. I think he sits on the throne now. He sits on the throne now. And all of us are of the opinion that at some point he's going to rule the earth with an iron rod, with a rod of iron. And that, you know, whether you believe the millennium, whether you're amillennial, whatever it is, that, that, that he will rule with a rod of iron. And so all of us are of the opinion that these promises are going to eventually cover the entire globe. That it's not right. just something out of, uh, that, that is in the entire Israel. universe. In fact, I would say, yeah, yeah I'm down the, with the that. cosmos. Hold on. So, all that being the case, you guys aren't Mormon now, are you? <laughs> believing that we're going to our children are going to inherit Mars no. and uh, another. No, okay, you can so rest anyways. assured, I'm not. Okay. So, anyways, I just you know I had to clarify. So, all <laughs> that being the case, it where Christ rules from doesn't change anything that you believe. If he rules from a physical Jerusalem, or he rules from a heavenly Jerusalem, he's going to rule everything. 
And so why would it be an affront to what you believe oh, I'm not, that he see, actually... I think I said this yeah, you know, yeah, in yeah. between you shows. Yep. I, I'm, that's in, for me, it's entirely possible that that's exactly what happens. I just don't see it as theologically and biblically necessary to go there. I think that it, there's enough ambiguity and an absence of clarity that doesn't allow us to be so literal in certain things because we only know what's true about God insofar as he reveals it to us. And if he doesn't reveal it to us in fullness, then we're kind of grasping and guessing. And I think that my, my sense, the reason I'm, I think I mentioned this on the air last week about where I once was on, on some of these right. issues. Yeah, yeah. And I was rock solid, dead certain. Right. And then I began to have reason to doubt my certainty and say, you know, I can't square my certainty with the testimony of the pages of scripture itself, at least as I was reading them. Sure. And say, that seems like I'm more certain than these pages allow me to be. I need to be a little more flexible. Now, there are some things about which I'm not flexible. <laughs> Jesus is God. Jesus actually lived a human life, uh, born of a virgin, died on the cross, uh, was buried, literally rose from the dead, literally ascended into heaven. I mean, those are non-negotiables and there's no reason for ambiguity. God was pretty clear in the pages Absolutely. of scripture yeah. on those things. But yeah. Some of these other things were not entirely, we, we can't be entirely, we have to make our best guess. And so that, that's what we do on this show is we end up talking about the differences in our best guesses. Nuance. You know, and the nuance. We talked about that, I think, the very first week you were on this show, like like seven years ago. <laughs> but the reality is that our best guesses end up fitting in like puzzle pieces to larger theological constructs, you know, so that it becomes a part of your eschatology and when it fits into those things then we end up thinking that it's necessary in terms of even the way that we walk out certain things like it motivates us to to evangelize more because because we see everything line up in our theology and we're like wow and you know like looking at the grand canyon we're just awed at, at how sublime is the picture of the kingdom of god and we see it line up in our theology and then it motivates us to go out and win the lost it motivates us to go out and to live righteous for the for for the lord you know to do all these things because we see it and we're like wow for lack of vision people cast off restraint man i see the vision everything lines up and i think this is part of the reason we get so passionate you, uh, Troy Wallace, have several times clarified that this fits your worldview and that it drives a lot of what you do. But I know the same thing to be true for you, Troy Skinner. It's same thing's true for me, John along Switzer. with all the other Troys. <laughs> Add those last names this time around. Sure, sure enough, you know that that maybe sometimes it, it it's not as necessary to that motivation as we think it is. But because we because we catch that glimpse. You know, and, and and things start to fit together, it drives us emotionally. And so I feel like if somebody's a firstborn and their personality is defined by, you know, being a firstborn, you know, and they grow up under certain pressures or whatever, then it's going to be very important to them to to to, to figure out life and where they fit in life, and it'll be a big part of their time spent trying to figure out where they fit. And then in finding where they fit, that they're motivated and they re they're released into going for it. Well, the same thing is true about the second born, about the third born, about the fourth born, uh, about everybody else. Everybody's got to find their spot, and they're going to spend a certain amount of extra time understanding where is it that I fit so that I can be responsible with the calling that God has given to me. 
Well, that means I'm going to spend more time defining it. So it probably won't ever mean as much to you or to me as it means to those that are Messianic Jews and those called to minister in that context where exactly the Jews fit in the big picture. Because if it's part of their calling, it's part of their motivation, it's part of what they feel like they've got to be true to what God has called them to do, then they're going to spend a lot more time thinking about that praying it through and coming to conclusions, you know, that help them to be consistent. And, and Troy, my thoughts on the Israel-Jerusalem literal necessity are so at the opposite end of the scale than you. I think it's so absolutely necessary to believe the promises to anybody else, is that God would make good on his promises. And I say that he has. That's the difference. I'm not saying that he doesn't make good on it. I'm saying that he already has in Jesus. Right. And I'd say that... Uh, I agree with you in part. He's done that. Uh, in fact, uh, you would agree he's done some of them, but not all of them. Right. He's he's done some in an allegorical sense. But the promises to Israel were about sitting on the throne of David. The throne of David doesn't exist in heaven. It exists on the earth. It, there's, it hasn't been filled up in its entirety. And that's the thing where Jerusalem and Israel and the Jewish people have an ongoing and continuous role in the present. That doesn't... Uh, diminish their role in the past, nor does it diminish the role of those from all the nations that are crying out in robes of white uh, in in the picture in Revelation. It, it doesn't undo any of that. It just adds to uh, the role that Jesus still, the hope of his calling to, to sit in the chair of David in Jerusalem. Uh, his glorious inheritance in us is connected to him being a king of a literal kingdom that happens to be based from Jerusalem, but the extents of which are not limited to the description to Abraham. In fact, it's the whole of the earth. And, and that is, uh, 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 that is very necessary for me. And Jerusalem and Israel play a role. Now I want to say one more time that I'm not talking about a geopolitical governmental structure. I'm only talking about a geopolitical governmental structure that Jesus is the head of. However, I do believe that Israel, as a current nation that runs in a parliamentary format, has a role to play on the earth in order to create the context whereby Jewish people living in that geographic area under that geopolitical system can invite Jesus back to the earth to do the broader and bigger thing as the son of David. And that's why I find Jerusalem and Israel to be of necessity, not because of something other than Jesus himself. Now, now that, that, that might sound like I'm somehow diminishing the role of the Jewish people. No, not at all. In fact, I am saying that this is part of their role as a priestly nation, is to invite the Messiah to earth and rule and reign uh, over the entire earth with peace, which is was the expectation of the Jewish people in the first century. Absolutely, I have that same expectation, except that he has died for my sins, come as the first fruits of many born from the dead and is constantly making intercession at the right hand of the Father in heaven in order for that to take place. So Acts chapter 1, I think, is so key to this. The disciples ask Jesus, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? It's very specific what they ask. And Jesus has a great opportunity to say, ay, 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 what's wrong with you? I've been trying to tell you it's not going to happen in Israel. Why don't you get it? 
It's going to be spiritual. He doesn't say that to them. He says, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father is set by his authority. Meaning, okay, look, that's going to happen, but, you know, just be patient. First, get filled First, with the Holy Spirit. Right, but in fairness to, to, to power my argument and those who, who, who are rooting for me because they agree with me, uh, <laughs> I am not saying it's merely spiritual. Yeah, I have not that been it could saying be more that. than that. No, I'm saying that it is more than that. Yeah. More but than it could be. It is. In fact, it already is. In fact, I would go so far as to say, David, what throne is he sitting on right now, if not the throne of David? He is seated on the throne. He's sitting on. He is ruling from David's throne right now. My understanding is that he's, he's sitting on a throne. Next David's to the throne Father is only heaven. one that's based on the earth, and the New Jerusalem comes down to earth, out of heaven. Right. Where heaven. does it land? He is seated on David's throne in the heavenly Jerusalem that's coming down to earth, the New Jerusalem. And David. So, David so doesn't have any this, authority in heaven geographically. That that throne is going to be. What's that? Where, where geographically, when the new heavens and the new earth come down. Well, when the new Jerusalem comes down. Yeah, when the new Jerusalem comes down. There's new heavens and new earth, the new Jerusalem comes down. It's going to be a place called Jerusalem. Right. Where he sits on the throne. Right. And it'll be on the earth. And it, well, where will, do, it, where will it land? The, what does the new Jerusalem have to do at all with present-day Jerusalem? Uh, well... Just the fact it's a, that it's a new Jerusalem. Just the fact that it no, it's not. It's not a new Jerusalem. It's a heavenly Jerusalem. It's not a new Jerusalem. It's a heavenly Jerusalem. Let, let's clarify that. <laughs> it's a heavenly Jerusalem. It's not a new Jerusalem. It's a heavenly Jerusalem. Okay, so it has absolutely nothing to do with temporal. Give that Jerusalem. man some shampoo. We've I got dis- to split hairs. But I disagree with you. <laughs> if, if you're, well, what, what do you mean? It doesn't have anything to do with it. It's called by the same name. There's only one. I'm just. I'm just following your argument. I'm not. I'm not making. No, the no, argument. no. I'm just saying. What else is it called? What, uh, what else? What? What other place on earth does Jerusalem describe when we're talking about the biblical context? But the point is that something new comes no something heavenly comes but okay okay something you heavenly saying com- new okay something heavenly comes okay the phrase heavenly well i mean Jerusalem you gotta I'm gonna- shows up in hebrews chapter 12 you have come to mount zion have come now to mount zion to the heavenly jerusalem the city of the living god right and all that's spiritualized but the context of the heavenly jerusalem is that we have come to that to the place the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven have come to, to God. Now he's speaking to the Hebrews when he's saying all this, but he's he's certainly talking about this new place that they've come to, and it's a heavenly Jerusalem. So again, I don't know how all that plays out, but that's and, and then in Revelation where Jerusalem comes down out of heaven, right? And again, the point is that it has to connect to somewhere on the earth. Where is it going to connect to? And if we see, if you if you can continue to to see that i'm using as a reference point the connection between eden and jerusalem if 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 the heavenly realm withdrew at the time of sin it withdrew from a physical location that i'm saying is connected to eden and eden and jerusalem it withdrew there so when it comes back where is it going to connect to it's probably not going to connect to new york no but if it but even if it reconnects to, I mean, I'll grant that because I'm, 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 I'm not. That's not. I'm not riding that horse, to be honest. Sure. There, wherever it lands, let's say it lands in present day Jerusalem. Present day Jerusalem is remade or ceases to have this, any sort of significance because it's the, it's the heavenly Jerusalem that has the significance. Right, but the earthly Jerusalem 
is part of what God says in the Torah several times is the place that he chooses to put his name. But he, could, he chooses to put his name there, and he chooses but, to fulfill that in totality when the heavenly Jerusalem so comes down. So are you down. saying that the heavenly he Jerusalem he could end up in Brazil in the new heavens No, I'm saying earth. that he could have chosen to have the heavenly Jerusalem land on present day, what we now know as present day Jerusalem, in 1940. Like Israel didn't need to be there for that to happen. I disagree with you because of Matthew twenty three thirty nine, and because of the context of a regathering before an indwelling all throughout the prophets when it comes to the issue of the restoration of Israel. It has okay, to be so connected let me, let me see to if I can boil a people down and a location. The arguments you got 30 for the Old <laughs> Testament. Boil down the arguments. Yeah, okay. So the, the boil down the arguments is this, that the promises God made to the Israelites in the Old Testament uh, clearly were perceived by them to not just have a spiritual uh, uh, fulfillment, but to have a physical fulfillment. And if... They were perceived by them to have a physical fulfillment in addition to a spiritual fulfillment uh, and even elements of a of spiritual fulfillment that they weren't aware of. Then it would be a uh, it would be insincere of God to make those promises to them if if he was misleading them in a way that they would have thought something otherwise. Now, clearly, they didn't get all of it. But the fact that they got some of it, if God didn't fulfill those promises uh, in, in a way that, that reasonable, God-fearing people of the day would have assumed that he was going to do, uh, then, then that would mean that, that you and I can't have any way to understand the promises that he's made to us. He said he's going to return. But if that's going to be totally different from what you and I understand those promises to be right now, then how could... How could we trust that his promises have any meaning to us whatsoever? The promises only have meaning if they have some kind of correlation to, to the, the idea in the mind of the hearer. God intended the people of Israel to believe something about those promises. And, and if we say that that's only spiritual, then we have, we have given new meaning to those promises that, that would turn God at least to be less than sincere. Well, my short response to that is I, I can't accept it. I don't have time to expound on that. <laughs> Very so, cool. John, thank you. Uh, Troy, you. thank you. My name, Troy. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Putman Plumbing and Heating for sponsoring the show. Until next week, God bless. Here at Putman Plumbing, we make a living by servicing our customers' needs, but we make our life by how we service our clients. The Putman Plumbing way combines value, ethics, honest answers, and amazing service because we believe you deserve it. Putman Plumbing, how can we make you smile?